2: Welcome to Amplified Radio, we are here live in DC and we have an amazing show, someone I've been hoping to get on the show for probably at least a year and I want to give a big shout out to Jess Bernard with Finding Your Frequency, the book and the show and Voice America as a whole. So Andrea, you have a wonderful bio to share with Bob Berg, would you please share that now?
0: Yes. Can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business and in your income? Well, our guest says absolutely yes. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with a total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, has sold over a half a million copies, and it's been translated into 21 languages. It's even been released in a new expanded edition with a foreword by Huffington Post's founder and publisher, Ariana Huffington. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also unapologetic as an animal fanatic and serves on the board of trustees of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida. Bob, I am so happy to have you here. Welcome.
3: Oh, thank you. Great to be with both of you. Thanks for having me with you.
2: Well, Bob, before we start our conversation, I just want to acknowledge Joyce White Nelson, who actually put this show together, and she's been a, a huge fan of yours, and I have I uh-huh. bribed her to get you on the show, and I owe her for the rest of my life. So, Joyce, <laughs> would you please share what Bob has meant to you? Yeah.
4: Hi, Bob. Thank you so hi, much Joyce. for my invitation. Hi. Yeah. Nice to talk to you again. You know, um, I am a big fan, of course, of the Go Giver and Bob and I, you know, we've stayed connected, Bob. Uh, I think I met you in 2008 through the Perfect Networker and then we have stayed connected on and off all these years. And I so appreciate that. And one of your favorite quotes of mine is really, this is something that you do so well that you practice. And and this is why I think we've stayed connected. So quote of yours is, sometimes the most influential thing we can do is listen. And you do that very well. And wow. I've appreciated that
3: Well, a lot. thank you. No, Please know how much that means to me. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. So, Bob, the, this uh, quote of yours will not be exercised in this program because... If you listen the entire time, we won't have a conversation. So please do not listen,
3: okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I learn a lot from you guys, so uh, I'm happy to just listen and take notes. Well, I just want to acknowledge you because this
2: is a kind of full circle uh, impact and effect for me because I met a gentleman, Glenn Garnes and Matt Cassidy, mm-hmm. and they told me about a project called The Perfect Networker, but they also introduced me to a book called The Go-Giver. And although I haven't always given credit to the co-author, Uh, I was extremely moved and uh, took action on that project by putting a very large sum of money, I think it was about six figures when it was all said and done, uh, into the concept of what a perfect networker is, and we adopted your book the go-giver as a premise, and for one year, I decided I would actually just live the life of a go-giver and see what difference it made. And Within a couple months, it made such a big difference, I was very happy I'd made that decision, but Hmm. after a year, I'd gone from being probably an unknown in the world to being someone that was actually a guy to go to because I was considered not only a go-giver, but I was a person that gave value to people in relationships, and we had you as our first speaker of The Perfect Networker. In 2008, I believe it was, and you launched, in essence, the perfect networker. And you were kind enough to take my book, *Becoming the Perfect Networker*, and endorse at least the fact that we embraced your um, book, your your way of living. And you made such a big difference in my life. I I just want to acknowledge you at the beginning of the show, just saying how how cool it is that I get to speak to you yet again, and that you've stayed in my life and caused my life to be so much better. So thank you, Bob. Well,
3: thank you, and I and I loved your book, and loved everything you did when you put the perfect networker together. And uh, I've enjoyed following your career because I've gotten to see how you've you've risen and how you've really, uh, you know, become so well known and so well regarded and well respected. So it's it's been a joy for me to be able to to uh, see that. So thank you, I appreciate that.
2: Well, not to uh, overgush, but to be accurate, I just want to let you know practically every single time I'm on stage, I acknowledge you, and if I don't acknowledge you personally, I say, you're the book, the Go-Giver book is a book must read to change your life and to create abundance in your life. So, thank thank you you again. I want to get started with this interview by just uh, having the audience learn more about what it was like to be Bob Berg as a child or to be Bob Berg as the person that actually was ignited to become the
3: Bob Berg you are now. Hmm. Well, probably a couple, you know, big big aspects of that is that I was very lucky enough to be born to great parents, uh, and have an example of what it meant to to be, you know, what what we would call go givers, which wasn't you know a word that was necessarily used, but I, I got to live or your or uh, grow up with a great example of that. So that was helpful. Um, now, on, on the other hand, growing up, I and Throughout my life, I've also had to, and I, I, some people know this about me, some people don't, it's something that I've, I've written about, but, but not a, a whole lot, but uh, I grew up with and have always had uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and, uh, which most people don't understand, and without getting too much into it, it it's not the same as when people say, oh, I'm o- so OCD about this, which means that they're, you know, it really... Uh, Obsessed with doing something that's that's not what this is OCD, obsessed compulsive disorder is a is a um, chemical uh uh issue with the brain and it's uh, it's a really a devastating thing to have and and i've you know lived with that my my whole life now back when I was growing up because i'm i'll be fifty nine soon uh nobody really knew what that was when I was growing up, so I just thought I was kind of uh, nuts and uh you know nobody Knew what it was. It wasn't until I was about 26 that it was actually diagnosed. Nowadays, thankfully, because of great work by, by many people in this field, as well as the uh, International Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Foundation in Boston, uh, that, you know it, you can get treated for this and and uh, it can be helped from a, a young age. But uh, back then, that wasn't the, the case. And so, what that did. Is while it was not, you know, well, I'll always say, I'll always maintain there's nothing good about having OCD. There's nothing good about it at all. You don't succeed because you have OCD, you succeed in spite of having OCD. But one thing it did, I think, is make me very, uh, give me a very natural and intuitive sense of empathy for other people. And other people's challenges and problems, and I think I brought that without knowing it. I mean, just unconsciously, but I think I brought that into everything I did when I got into the business world, and I think that helped me to be able to connect with people on a, a deeper level, in a sense. Um, you know, and in that way, it's it's helped me be able to, in, in some way, make a difference in other people's lives. But um, so I would say those two things were the the you know were the the two biggies life. You know, having great parents, a great family, but also having the uh, uh, having OCD and, and having to you know to live with that throughout my life.
2: Well, I think that's kind of a Malcolm Gladwell topic, and although it wasn't in Tipping Point, Outliers, or Blink, I, I just want to say that he he went over dyslexia as something that would normally hamper someone, and yet there's a high propensity of. CEOs, top-level CEOs that have uh, dyslexia because they overcame that obstacle and they never whispered in their children, but they said that, that was actually the reason they thought outside the box. Would you say that OCD helped you think outside the box? Uh,
3: no, I, I, can't, I can't really say that. Um, I mean, I, you know, I would say that there's nothing about that that I can credit. Uh, for anything. Okay. I mean, it's been a, it's been a struggle that I've had to, that I've had to deal with that, uh, you know, and again, any, any success has been d- despite that. I think what it did though, is it did give me empathy in a way of when I, when I dealt with people, but, uh, you know, if someone ever said, uh, you know, if I was ever given the choice, you know, if you, uh, Knew what you you know if you could could go back and have OCD or not, uh, would you? And no, absolutely not. I'd rather be less empathetic and not have OCD. But uh, that's <laughs> not the way it was. And so, for whatever reason, uh, you know that uh, that I have it for whatever you know if, if uh, um, you know if we believe as, as I do that for whatever reason God wanted me to have it for to to fulfill some sort of well I'm you know. Um, then, then sure. Then I certainly accept it. But it's nothing that I would choose, and it's nothing that I, in any way, give credit for any any success I I may or may not have had. That's very interesting
2: because there are obviously studies of people that have bipolar, that people have um, uh, dyslexia. I, I'm not as familiar with OCD from a standpoint of success, but there are some very notable people that have OCD, and they've they've shared obviously publicly, or it wouldn't be Google searchable. But uh, Cameron Diaz. Leonardo DiCaprio, Howie Mandel, David Beckham, Billy Bob Thornton, Justin Timberlake,
3: and Donald Trump. Those are people that
2: declare they have OCD. Yeah.
3: Well. Okay. So. 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 Someone like Howie Mandel does. Okay. And it. And it um, reflects in certain ways. Howard Hughes had it, of course. And as you know, he was a mess. I, for all the money he had, I don't <laughs> think there's anyone that would want to trade yeah. their lives with with Howard Hughes. With With some people, they they will say they have OCD. What they mean is they have some sort of obsessive personality trait, and you can have. Uh, you know, you can, if you have, uh, let's say, OCP, obsessive compulsive personality, that's not necessarily a disorder. That is that, it, 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 and and you can succeed because of that. Uh, OCD is a is a sort of a combination of. And I, you know, I have articles, a couple articles that I do have online, if you search Bob Berg uh, OCD, uh, you'll see a couple articles in an interview I did where I really explain it, but, uh, and of course at the site, iocdf.org, I think they, you know, really, but it's really, it's a a chemical imbalance that results in obsessive thoughts, uh, bad thoughts, as we would say, like really the worst, and it, it totally covers your life it's with you all the time it's it's vicious it's it's bad it's horrible there's you know again and there's no relief from it uh and you take certain actions to cover those up in your mind it makes no sense but um but as and so you'll end up doing things as though if i do this it will take that thought away and make it not true, which, of course, it isn't in the first place. Let's put it this way. O- people with OCD typically are not, uh, are not nuts because they know that their thinking is totally irrational. But it's something that you cannot, uh, you cannot stop. And so, um, fortunately, again, there's, there's medications and there's, there's uh, therapies that, that help soften it. I, I don't know if it can be uh, cured. But, uh, but a lot of times people will say OCD and, and it's not OCD.
2: So I did a a second search on Google and found more names, and I'm not going to go that deep of a dive in this conversation because, quite frankly, this is about you, your success, how you've been a go-giver, how writing, speaking, and being a leader in the world has changed so many people's lives. But I do want to just take a a little second round just to ask for my personal edification. Uh, Martin Scorsese, um, Alec Baldwin, Woody Allen, those are just a couple names that come up in searches of people that are famous that have OCD or
3: yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I again, I I don't know well enough. I'm not familiar gotcha. enough with them to know if they actually have it or not. I would I would have to ask them and and discuss certain areas of it. Um, uh, just from what I've I've read about, you know, Mandel, he he does, um, and, and so forth. But I I don't know the. They certainly could. I mean, it's not for me to say someone doesn't do claims they do. But I'm just <laughs> saying that it's something that people uh, unintentionally throw around a lot. When they really, it, it's they may have a cousin of that, but it's not really OCD. And if you if you went deeper into what their symptoms are, uh, you'd find that they don't. But again, I'm not I'm not in any way uh, trying to uh, uh, negate what they're saying. I'm just saying I I, I don't know. I, a lot more people say it than actually have it. Not not with any malintent. It's just a, a very misunderstood uh, phenomenon.
2: Well, the reason I'm delving into this, uh, Bob, is because. I'm fascinated by the fact that people that have what I would consider large obstacles or handicaps in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're born in the worst ghetto in the world or they have massive ADD, which I don't know if I do or not, but I've been somewhat classified as an ADD Mm -hmm. candidate, is that they choose to overcome it at the, uh, I guess, at the statistical chance that they shouldn't have overcome it and they become something. and. So mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this this topic, and uh, again, I don't want it to be the the, the whole conversation, but it, I hadn't heard that OCD, whether it was or was not, more prevalent for people that are actually successful, but I am getting clear at this point that there's a lot more to learn about that. So when you wrote your first book, when did you decide to do that, and, and how did you decide to do that?
3: Uh, you know, I did my first... First book, soon after I started as a professional speaker, uh, this was in the early 90s, I guess, and I actually started in the late '80s, but but uh, wrote the first book in the early '90s, and that was only because the uh, when I joined a national speakers association, uh, a number of, of speakers said that it will be really helpful to write a book just to help position yourself in the marketplace. Um, it certainly makes your message more credible. It makes you more credible. Gives you more of a platform. Helps you get more bookings uh, at higher fees, and 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 so forth. So that's why I did it. Uh, that the first one was totally utilitarian <laughs> there was there was no reason other than that because i didn't really necessarily want to write a book uh but i did it for that reason so, uh, other books that i've written since then have been for you know a combination of just information i wanted to get out there or uh something like with the go-giver where there was something that i i really wanted to share in a in a story in a um uh, in a format, you know that I that I thought would make a difference. But yeah, that first one was was uh, back in the early '90s, and it was just it was totally for the, the the purposes of positioning myself as a speaker. The
2: first book I bought of yours was
3: endless referrals, right? What what number book was that? It was actually the second book. Uh, the The first book I did. Um, was a book called The Memory System, because when I first started speaking, I was speaking on the topic of memory improvement. And so, uh, the first book I did was actually on that, and it was, it was purchased by a, a small publishing company that was part of a, uh, a seminar company. And... Uh, uh, I don't even know if it's any longer in, in print or not, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think they're publishing it anymore, but um, but yeah, that was actually the first one, and then soon after that was uh, was Endless Referrals, because I had switched over from doing the uh, memory program to doing the program on, uh, on business networking and referrals.
2: Well, again, to kind of circle back to the beginning of GoGiver, I have to say that when your name was dropped for Perfect Networker, I really didn't know your name at that point. I didn't know what you stood for. And when, after I read the go book, I was absolutely hooked. I made the investment in the Perfect Networker. And you were our first speaker. And you showed how competent you are with that first topic of memory because uh, there were roughly 150 to 200 people at that event. And every single person you met, you you had their name to memory. And, mm-hmm. at the and you did the exercise where you actually pointed to each person and said their name. And I believe you even said something about them and then you shared, I think the part of the t- the tactic or strategy of how you help remember their names, and that was that was actually pretty impressive and i and I have to say that, oh, I should say, would you agree that people that say they have a bad uh, recall for names that's more of a stigma than it is uh, a truth?
3: Yeah, because typically it, 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 you know I mean we remember everything I mean everything gets filed away but but we don't necessarily have systems for memory, and, and the memory system, the one that I used to teach, which I learned from a guy named Billy Burden of uh, Dallas, Texas, and there's also other great teachers, Harry Lorraine and Jerry Lucas, and, and uh, there have been so many that paved the way. Uh, Ron White now is, is probably, of uh, Dallas, is probably the uh, best-known uh, memory teacher out there today. Um, it's just a system, it, you know, really nothing more, nothing less, so I, I think we all have, like anything else. Uh, uh, we're somewhere along that continuum of having a memory that's effective and, and isn't. But I think when we when we tell ourselves we don't have a good memory, that certainly doesn't help. <laughs> and so Well we have to prove it to be right. Right, that exactly. That we have to so, names. Uh, so it's much better to use a system that's been proven to actually uh, help with recall. And, and once someone taps into the system, uh, because certainly I was no better with names and faces than I, uh, you know, uh, than anyone else before I learned how to do it. And it was simply a system. And as you know, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how to principles, the key being predictability. So if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll uh, attain the desired results of B, then you know all you need to do is A and keep doing A until you get the desired results of B. And that's what I did when I first learned the system, and anyone else can do that too.
2: Well, I would like to ask you uh, a little bit about that system, just to give the audience a little value on how they can improve this. But before I do that, I would like to share a theory I have that I'm coming up with really live spontaneously that the degree at which you can remember a name is the degree at which value you
3: put on that name is that true well yeah i mean it's it's the it's probably the degree to which you communicate to that person that you put value on them in their name because you may want to remember a name but if you don't have the uh, the system to do so now by the way and, and just you know some people do really have a knack for it like anything else there's a continuum starting at 0 and ending at 100 and and I have I've met people that they really can recall names and faces like you wouldn't believe I'm amazed by them uh, <laughs> okay and there's others that that like I am were totally convinced that they could not uh before learning away but most people are somewhere in between now so so y- y- so the, the 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 thing is this a face is is fairly easy to remember because it's tangible it's there right in front of you you can see it i mean basically the same face you see on someone today is the same face you're going to see on them the next day you know tomorrow next week next month next year there may be some differences, but it's it's still basically the same face. But a name is simply air. It, it's nothing. You know, if someone says, my name is John Maliszewski. You know, what is that? You can't grab onto that. And so that's why it's difficult to remember names that's why you might say to someone the, uh, that you haven't seen in in uh, you know a day or or a month and you might say you know gee i'm so sorry i remember your face but i can't remember your name but you never say to someone you know john i remember your name but i can't remember your face uh, Biden's face is right there, and so that's really what the issue is. And so you might really want to remember that person's name, uh, but you might not just because you don't have a way of doing it, and it and it's you know kind of a difficult thing to do without without a system for for most of us. So, but I think that when you do remember that person's name when you see them a day later or a week later or whatever and you're able to remember their name what you're doing is you're communicating to that person the caring that you have that the fact that you you find them you see them as a person of value because you remembered their name even though if you forgot it it wouldn't mean you didn't actually value them it would just mean you forgot their name but it's all in in what you're communicating I totally
2: agree and I have asked people before when they say they can't do something. I typically put a monetary, um, I guess, bet against it, mm-hmm. whether it's 1000 thousand, ten thousand, 10000 a or 100000 But I'll say, like right. if it's my eighth grade student, they say, I don't have time to do your homework every day. And I said, if you got paid $10,000, could you do the homework for all week in one day? And they go, of course I can. Yeah. Um, and if someone says they can't remember names, and you say, well, if I pay you $1,000 or even $100,000, remember this crazy name that no one can remember. It's 52 letters long, very hard to pronounce, but all you have to do is remember to write it. Could you do it? And they're like, of course I could. So um, can you give a little hint to people how to remember names since 2017 is around the corner and they can actually have not a New Year's resolution, but just a new way of creating abundance because they have a strategy for memory names?
3: Uh, I, I can and, and, I, and I will, but just just know that as I as I say how to do it, unfortunately it's one of these things where, where it just... Um, sounds difficult uh with a very right. short explanation which is all we have time <laughs> for but i will i will give it anyway and then i'll just uh, just for people to go out and get uh, the memory book by harry lorraine and jerry lucas and you can you know you, you can get that on uh, amazon or at your local bookstore for usually ten dollars or so and it will be a great investment and they basically teach it the way i do um and i know their books are still out there being sold but basically it it's the face, when done correctly, that's going to that's going to trigger the name. So the first thing to do is, when you see a person approaching, or you're approaching someone, is to find an outstanding facial feature that they have. Sort of like uh, if you've ever had a caricature artist sketch you at a carnival, or or you know something like that. And there's always what they do is they they're looking and in their mind's eye, they're grabbing one outstanding facial feature, which is why you might see. Uh, when they when they come up with the picture, there's like you know either a huge oversized forehead or a big nose or you know huge size, you know whatever it might be, and so you 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 look at that one you you find their outstanding facial feature, and that which might maybe they have uh, big eyes. And uh, and then you really exaggerate that outstanding facial feature. You see it as being those big Google eyes, you know, type of thing. Uh, and then when you hear their name, you know, you make sure, of course, you pay attention and observe the name. And let's say they say their name is... Uh, um. You know, uh, John Gardner. We'll just do last names right now. The Gardner and, and uh, you say, and then you repeat the name uh, just once. I mean, you don't, you know, don't go Gardner, Gardner, Gardner. You know, obviously that's not. But you'd say, oh, hi, Mr. Gardner. It's uh, nice to meet you. Now you take the name Gardner, and that presents a picture, a, a picture of a garden. And so now you connect the um, the outstanding facial feature, the big huge eyes that you're seeing in your mind's eye, with the name Gardner or a picture of a garden and you see yourself you know gardening in that uh in those big eyes and really see the picture clear and then the next time you see that person you'll see that picture and and uh it will remind you of the name gardener now again that is a, a reader's digest version that's actually how you do it but there's so much more to it in order to 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 be able to know how to be able to effectively uh uh, pick out that outstanding facial feature uh, to be able to to make that association. There's there's a lot of uh, um, uh, steps to it. It's a, it's a little bit more in depth than that. But but again, go out and get the book uh, by Harry Lorraine and Jerry Lucas, uh, uh, the memory uh, the memory. It's called the Memory Book, and uh, and and learn that it will be well worth your while. I agree. So uh, we have a couple minutes till break, and
2: Andrea, I think, is frothing at the mouth to ask a question. So, Andrea, <laughs> ask your quick question. Well, that's
0: a beautiful thanks. description of me. Thank you so much, <laughs> uh, Bob. I'm Andrea Adams-Miller. Hey, I, first of all, thanks for mentioning Ron White. He's a good friend of mine, so uh, thanks for that. Um, oh, he'll be tickled guy. to hear that, you're, that you mentioned his, vo- or his name. And then uh, I just a uh, quick question because the break is almost uh, here. Um, so When you're uh, talking to people of different ages and so forth, uh, do you talk to them ever about how to um, help with the Go-Giving to their youth, like even if they have toddlers, like Ken has a three-year-old? I wondered what you thought about that.
3: Well, we you know we do have a lot of families who do the who go through the book as a family project type of thing, which is really cool. Uh, John David Mann, my awesome co-author and really the lead uh, storyteller uh, of the uh, of the parable, he and I take it as a great compliment when we hear from families that they're they will. Uh, you know, go through the five laws and teach them to their 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 kids. Of course, when the kids are old enough, they can just read the book. But um, but they go through this as a family, and uh, that's a that's a really neat thing. So yeah, they they uh, I, I don't even think they need hints from me in as terms of, in terms of how to do it. I mean, you take the five laws and you, you look at ways they can and, and show them ways they can add value to others by what they're doing how they can touch people's lives with it, how they can you know, focus on bringing value to others, how they can uh, be authentic in what they're doing and, uh, and be able to receive as well.
2: Awesome. And Bob, we're about to go into break, so can you give a way that people can purchase the
3: Go-Giver book? yeah probably the best thing to do is just uh, visit the Go Giver without the hyphen thegogiver.com and they can uh, scroll down and, and uh, get the, uh, the first chapter of the book or an excerpt of the book and if they like what they they read there they can always click through to uh, Amazon and pick up the book there.
2: And I'll just close with saying that any book you buy by Bob Berg will bring up your business life but it'll also bring up your personal life and it'll create balance because when you're more efficient in your life because you're go giving, It just comes back to you tenfold, and you don't have to work as hard. So Bob will be back in a couple minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify.
2: All right, we're back for the second half of the show with Bob Berg, and we are talking about the go-giver and all the great things you can do with your life when you actually read the book, how you actually can get his first segment of learning memory and learning names better, because when you know people's names, you're uh, you're actually connecting with them on a higher level. The number one uh, word people like to hear is their name. So Bob hit a home run with that one. I wanted to bring Joyce back in because I know that uh, the Go-Giver book made a big difference in your life. So, Joyce, did you want to share how that changed your life?
4: I do, Bob. I want to tell you, it was really exciting. Um, There's a process you have with going through the five laws, and then you are awarded um, a certificate of being a Go-Giver. And I have mine hanging on the wall, and that made a big impact on my life. And (laughs) I've been able then to... Share that through a system that I have, you know, crediting you with the five laws and sort of asking people um, to think about how, how they can apply these in their life. So um, tell people where they can go to uh, process, you know, to get the certificate, and how they can do that, because it's really fun.
3: Thanks. Um, at the... Um at the gogivercom dot uh, you know it's funny. I'm uh, not that I'm a good multitasker like most people. I'm I'm really not, and I'm not sure it's bad to say I'm not because it's probably not good to multitask. I'm trying to look for yeah. it right now as we're talking. I'm <laughs> looking for it on the site, um, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, but I but I know we do have it. So uh, mm-hmm. so you can okay. you can
2: give us that link later, Bob, and we'll yeah. post it on our page, and okay. and we'll make sure this is very yeah. visible in the Umbrella Syndicate as well as uh, the Amplified Show. I I see that the, you can get the book on uh, uh, playgoogle.com for $12.99, so that's, pretty, that's a pretty cool price. I mean, when you're talking about what a book is worth, it's funny. People actually look at the, the size of the book, the amount of pages, and they kind of say, I wouldn't pay more than this because of the amount of paper and ink that's in this book. But I have to say, your book is priceless. Um, oh, thank you. When you're able to take a concept that shifts how you behave and how you actually create abundance in your life – what price do you put on that? So anyone that wants the free sample of the book, you know, you can probably uh, go to the website and get that. But it's really just a great commitment to have your first month of if you have a 50 book challenge or a one book challenge, whatever book challenge you have. This is the book I I really highly endorse and recommend. So I'm excited to have you on the show, Bob. I want to ask you this question. Um, This seemed to be the book that put you on the map. Is that
3: true? yeah I mean this really accelerated things that the uh endless referrals book sold really well, and uh yeah I, it's what I spoke on for all but the last ten years of my business you know since the go givers come out and uh so the the endless referrals book you know helped me build a a successful speaking business, but it really really took off after the go giver came out uh I would say that Throughout my career, I had utilized the Endless Referrals book as a proactive, outgoing marketing tool, um, which is how which is how most books are used by an author. I mean, mo- I didn't usually get calls from companies so, every so often, but not not many, where they said, hey, the, the Endless Referrals has gone through our business and we want to have you come in. That didn't happen that often. It was usually after I got the book into their hands proactively. Uh, with the Go-Giver, it's been different. Uh, the Go-Giver just has, has very organically and naturally and uh, it's been a referral-based bit, uh, book you know people have uh, they buy it and then they bring it to their sales manager and it goes through the organization and the ceo gets it and the whole bit and then i i'll often get a call from a company or from a, an organization uh asking me to come in and speak on it so yeah the the the, the go-giver made a huge difference in, in that regard it, it took my speaking career to a, a different level and it's the only book you had a sequel to yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, because we actually had GoGivers sell more, which was the the application part. But then we also had the GoGiver leader, which is another. Uh, business parable that took place in the same town, uh, different characters, but with a few cameo appearances, you know, by uh, by by ones from the first book and some of the same uh, places that will be recognized. So while while someone could read the Go Giver Leader first, uh, if they read the the Go Giver first, they'll kind of get some of the inside references in the Go Giver Leader. Awesome. Well, I, I have to go
2: get the Go-Giver Leader because that's that's the focus of the show is actually amplifying leadership. And I love the fact that you have the colors of Go-Giver in red and Go-Giver uh, Selmore in green. So that's the perfect colors for the holidays. I mean, people should pick up <laughs> <Yeah>. both copies. <laughs> I think that's the brilliance of our publisher, not something that I thought of. Well, uh, you have a 4.9 average rating on most sites for that book, which is uh, as close to perfect as you can get. Oh, and I, I know that uh, John David Mann made all the difference in this book oh. because he, he turned into a parable.
3: He, he is such an amazing writer and human being and, and everything great that goes along with it. So I, I, it was very much an honor for me to, uh, to
2: work with him on this. Well, I made the mistake a couple of times, and it was not obviously intentional to leave uh, John David Mann's name off of the accreditation for this book masterpiece, and you quickly brought it to my attention. I quickly corrected it, but uh, I, I have to say that when you read this book, it is, a, it is a page-turner. You you can knock it out not only in an hour, but you just can't wait to have more oh, of, of the parable uh, affect you. Uh, what's next for you in
3: 2017? Well, we're continuing to build two things. My business partner Kathy Tajanel, who really, you know, runs runs the business uh, and she's just she's an amazing human being. Um, she and I have been whole, oh, she we put together a, a certified Go Giver speaker program where we have people, many of them who've been very successful in their in their current businesses, they may have read the Go Giver, they want to become speakers and they they want to do it through the, you know, the, the teachings of the Go Giver. Uh, where we teach them how to speak Build a speaking business. Speak on this topic. So that's one of the. We've been doing this for a few years now. And then the other thing is we have something called a GoGiver Sales Academy, in which we uh, have people come to Orlando, Florida. And uh, I'm about three hours south of there. Kathy lives in that area, and we limit it to ten people. So it's a it's a it's two days of very very intense teaching, masterminding, so forth, um, in which we go through how people can increase their business through really digging into the five laws and applying it to their business. So those are the things that that Kathy and I are continuing to do in 2017, which we're very excited about. And uh, John and I should be having a, another uh, sequel coming out in the Go-Giver series, uh, either later in 2017 or in early 2018. And the the I guess the topic for that one would be uh it will be more in the way of influence uh you know i have a book out called uh, adversaries into allies which is a how to book on uh, which a lot of people have kind of described as how to win friends and influence people for the you know for the uh uh modern day <laughs> and so uh, but it's you know it's a how to book sort of like the, uh, endless referrals was and uh so this book will be will sort of take that and and put it into a parable format, and uh, you know, knowing John, it will will uh, weave a really good story with it. When, uh, how can people find out about this event that you have coming up for the GoGiver? Uh, at the uh, at the GoGiver dot com, it will uh, uh, it will it will have a thing up there under programs and so forth. It uh, it will have the GoGiver Sales Academy.
2: Well, I have not attended it, but I know just because I've I've been uh, influenced and worked with Bob on an event or two, and also the caliber of his work, that if you go to this event, not only will you get your value, but you also meet like-minded people, and you'll probably make ten times the amount of money just by having people that are going to be in a network that you would never have met if if it wasn't for Bob bringing them together. Yeah. So, that, that's an exciting. That's exciting. Uh, you have the art of persuasion book. Um, what are some ideas of how someone approaching 2017 can be more persuasive to create abundance in their life?
3: Yeah, well, you know, The Art of Persuasion was written actually in the mid 90s. Uh, it was originally called Winning Without Intimidation, and I sold limited rights, self published that one. I sold limited rights to another publishing house. Um, And then they wanted to update it and update the title. So we called it The Art of Persuasion and brought it a little bit up to date. But it was really the the meat of that was written in in the the uh, mid-90s. Adversaries into Allies is basically that book written... With me, about twenty years older, <laughs> so you. so really the the uh, that is what what adversaries into allies is is all about. Uh, the subtitle is master the art of uh, ultimate influence, and you know really when you think about it, influence on a on a very very basic level can. Uh, influence can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a, a desired action, usually within the context of a, a specific goal. That's the definition of influence, but I, I don't think it's the essence of of influence. The essence of influence, in my opinion, is is simply pull. Pull as opposed to push. You you never hear people say, Wow, that Joyce or that that Andrea, she is just so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, she has a lot of pull with people because that's what what influence is it's an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves and only then to their ideas. And they understand that great influence, just like great leadership, is never about the leader, great influence is never about the influencer. Uh, great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always about the other person. It's finding ways to to provide value to them, to to find out what it is that they want, that they need, that they desire, that they value, and help them find a way to get that. And those who do that are the best persuaders and are the bo- bo- best influencers. Well, I, I've often heard that the more people you help, whether
2: it's Zig Ziglar or someone that is a, a student of Zig Ziglar, the more people you help, the, the more success you'll uh,
3: yeah. achieve in your life. And well, Zig, Zig famously one, said, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And uh, I think Zig was right on the mark with that one. <laughs> I think he, uh, you know, he he just, just nailed it, like Zig always
2: did. <laughs> yes, he did. And and it comes down to, I, I think, a word, leverage. If you're a, a, an amazing influencer, you're taking care of people, you're keeping the retention of their values being uh, forefront in your mind, and so you actually are causing leverage, which is duplicating your ability to have your resources, your time, your money
3: uh, work for you to create success. Sure. And you know, when you think about it, what, what, what influence, persuasion, you know, what have you, what it really comes down to is it does come down to people's skills and developing your people's skills and understanding that success in life is probably about 10% based on technical skills or talent, which isn't to say that's not important. It's it's deeply important. But these days, there's a lot of people with talent. There's a lot of people with technical skills. There's a lot of people who can do the, do the thing. That, so what happens is that ends up being the entry fee into the game of life or into the game of business. But the typically the most successful people uh, have, have really good people skills. And what I believe is that the single greatest people skill, the single greatest people skill, is simply a very highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And I believe people can sense that. I believe, you know, Simon Sinek wrote a, a wonderful book called um, Leaders Eat Last, and he talked about, about trust, of course, being such an important part of an effective of, of leader, and we, of course we read that in any book about leadership, it's so very true, but I love what, what, Simon, sa- said, what, si- what Simon said uh, about trust, he wrote, and I think this is brilliant, I have it on my computer, I'm looking at it right now as we're talking, he, he wrote, trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart, and you think about that—how just absolutely brilliant a statement that is—and when we feel as though that person has our well-being at heart, uh, we're you know we're ready to 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 be led by them. We're 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 willing to be influenced by them. We're willing to 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 take action that they suggest and really that that leader has to earn that trust by being genuinely authentically interested in the well-being of that person would you say that that is a huge descriptor or part of a descriptor of what a go-giver is yeah uh uh yeah i think you're right on the mark with that i mean you know uh, for for someone to be effective as a as a go giver it's it, you know when you're you when you're providing that when you're focused because really you know the the uh premise of the book of, of of the go-giver philosophy, if you will, is that shifting one's focus, and this is really the key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, and that doing so is not only a nice way to do business, it's a very financially profitable way to do business as well. Uh, Why? Because when people know, when people understand that you are looking out for them, that as Simon said you have their well-being at heart. They're much more likely to to trust you. They're much more likely to know, like, and trust you. And you know, you know, one of my big fags is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, uh, more powerful, more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by by genuinely and authentically caring about them, caring about bringing value to them. Uh, Or as uh, Sam, one of the mentors in the story, said to uh, Joe, the protege, uh, making your win about the other person's win. So yes, it it needs to be authentic. It needs to be genuine. That's a a big part of the the go-giver process. You know, it's a sad
2: uh, case that so many businesses go out of business uh, I, I, in the United States, it's like 80% of businesses go out of business. And I would attribute that to their mentality of being a go-giver or a go-getter. And then the second thing is how well they market themselves as a brand. And what percent of people do you think, I, I think the propensity of people that are in the abundance range would be astronomical, whether you, they know they're a go-giver or not, but they're they're in that, that practice of connecting and giving value to people, would you would you say that's like the the night and day difference of whether someone's successful in business or not?
3: Oh yeah, I mean I I think it is. I mean you know hey you, you've got to have the skill set and you've got to have the attitude. Um, uh, you can you can. You know, feel like a real go giver. You can be genuinely interested in providing value to others, but you still do also need the sales skills. You need the marketing skills. You need the ability to get your message out there and attract. You know, uh, find the people or or set up ways where you can attract those people to you. Um, but you can also have all the the great skills in the world. But if you are not authentically looking to provide value to others, uh, people are going to know this. They're going to get it. You, you, you can only fool people for so long before it comes back to haunt you. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think both are important. But certainly that, you know, the, the go-giver attitude, if you will, that, that just simply that desire to, to bring value to other people, to bring value to the marketplace, to bring value to the world, that's a big part of, uh, you know, of the success that we see so many people have. Well, we
2: have a round robin we do near the end of the segment, and we're not there at that point, but we have two people that absolutely adore the message. So we'll be bringing that round robin in about three or four minutes, but I wanted to ask you a couple questions about leadership and, and overcoming obstacles because a lot of people at this time of the year are kind of in a quandary sometimes of, of what they're doing right or wrong or whether they can make it or not. So t- can you talk about a time in your career where you really felt like you were up against the wall and you didn't know... How it's going to
3: work, and then how you got through it. Well, one thing that happened with me, and this was a couple of years after I started as a speaker. Uh, yeah, I was a one man show, and and so I was doing my sales and marketing, and I was doing the speaking, and I was doing all the different parts of the business because I wasn't at that place where I could afford to have someone. Or, and and so what would happen is. Uh, yeah, I'd be marketing myself, and that I could do, and I'd get the speaking engagements. I'd be away for a while. The marketing would stop; it would dry up. And so I, I was going that I was doing that feast and famine type of thing. Uh, and even the feast at that at that time wasn't really a lot because I wasn't charging a lot back at that time when I was first starting. So I got into a situation after a while where, you know, when I hit a time when the bookings weren't coming in, and it was really close to me um, having to you <laughs> you know find another job to to support me while I was building the speaking business which I really didn't want to do cuz I loved the business I loved being in the business and um but it, it did get to a point where I was um you know at the end of the day and I'll I'll make the the story short cuz I know there's another segment that we're going to be doing but um I I gave myself basically one more day to get a booking before I was going to have to find a you know a a job maybe a job selling and then speaking part time and building it back up but uh and i was really quite depressed about it and um at the end of the day that i still had nothing and i was uh, you know about to to to, uh about to go home, and I remembered something that I used to do when I first got started in sales, and I, and I first started in advertising sales as my first sales job. And I used to do something called one more call, and that is at the end of every day uh, when the day was over and I was ready to go home, I would make one more call. I'd stop in at one more place, or I'd make one more phone call. It wasn't uh, it wasn't one more sale; it was just one more call, regardless. Um, and but you know, it's it's funny, it's surprising how many times that one more call would lead to something. So I thought, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And and really, I was just about to walk away and say, why bother? But I said, I'm just going to do one more call. And I remember calling a place that was local, actually. And I really didn't see any reason why they would need my services. Um, But I, I called anyway. And it turned out that they um they put on the continuing education programs and that they had divisions all over north america and they had something like Forty-two, what they called sections, which are really states. A couple were combined, and she said, "You know, we've never done a program like that before. I think it would be really interesting for them." And and I ended up, uh, I think, speaking at thirty-two of those forty-two over the next couple of years, and and it basically kept me in business, and it allowed me to uh, you know continue to market and hire a person part-time, which freed me up to you know do this. So uh, so I guess the lesson there is what I did at that r- one real point of. of not knowing if I was going to be able to stay in businesses. I just made one more call. I think that is
2: a a huge statement to people listening on this program that it's a different version of the power of one. It's the one continuum. So I I agree with you because if you're going to fail and you're doing the bare minimum, you're going to fail. But if you keep doing that one more thing, it adds up in quantity. So I told people with social media, if you just commit yourself, and I know this is a pretty high number for most people, but if you just commit yourself to 10 likes a day, that's 10 people that you're adding to your list, and if you have the right type of social media you're gathering, you're, doing, uh, you're building your list to actually stay communicated with them in other aspects, but my new thing uh, in doing this for five years is one more testimonial, just one more testimonial, so if you can please someone and concentrate on pleasing someone so good in one day that you get an extra testimony, that's... That's 300-plus testimonials a year that are phenomenal marketing fodder Absolutely. for you to do a drip campaign. And then it, it gives the social proof that you are conscious and also competent, and most
3: importantly, that you're passionate about actually pleasing people. Uh, I love that. And, you know, uh, Joe Polish, who's a great uh, direct uh, marketer, uh, you know, uh, direct response marketer and great copywriter, he has a saying. Uh, in fact, I put this in the latest edition of Endless Referrals. He wrote uh, what... what other people say about you is ultimately more uh, or is infinitely more believable than what you say about you so let other people say it and i think that's really what testimonial endorsements are they're the ultimate social proof it's other people singing your praises well joe does not know me but i certainly
2: know joe and uh it would mean a lot to me i'm putting you on the spot but uh this this is a a requested uh gift you never have to give, but if you ever uh, see that that would be a good connection to make, I would deeply appreciate you connecting with me. Oh, absolutely. Joe's a a great guy. Fantastic guy. Yeah, Well, he's a very busy person and he has his circles and I I haven't penetrated that, so that connection would be invaluable to me. So, I I thank you in advance if you make that connection.
3: Sure.
2: So, let's go to round robin at this point. Um, Let's start off with is there anything you fear at this point in life? Hmm.
3: Boy, I didn't know the first one was going to be so difficult. I, you know, well, I, mean, I want yeah. I want to go uh, from difficult to easy. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, I have a lot of fears. You know, I have certain areas in which I'm very, very confident, and I have other areas in which I'm not so confident. Uh, but you know, hey, like anything else, I still fear letting someone down, or I, I fear uh, you know speaking in front of thousands of people and not not having a performance that really is. Uh, you know, received well and and so forth. So, sure, I, I continue to have uh, uh, fears. Well, I, I would just say to the
2: audience that uh, anyone that has a fear at any level means they're still in touch with actually being committed to their purpose. Mm. And I, I always tell people that uh, a passionate person is going to show their full colors because they care. And yeah. so, uh, amen to that. So, uh, Andre, you are the person that gets to go round robin next.
0: Well, thank you very much. So I would like to know, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
3: Uh, third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. Awesome. And I could have been, and I could have been, actually, had I had one thing. Awesome. Any semblance of talent.
4: What? Uh. <laughs>
3: Love it. <laughs> and Joyce? Go ahead.
4: Bob, since you're an animal lover, do you have either favorite animals or causes, animal causes?
3: Yeah, well, I'm very involved with the... Um, uh, furry Friends Adoption and Clinic uh, of Jupiter, Florida, which is our our local humane society. Uh, I love all animals. Uh, uh, probably, I, I feel a special kinship with dogs. Uh, grew up with with many of them, and and just uh, they were always just such wonderful wonderful family members. The most. Just Loyal creatures you can imagine, um but I love all animals, and right now I have a, a cat from the shelter i you know I still travel a bit too much and I live alone in in a condo, so it's really not fair to for to a dog for me to have a dog but um uh, but uh my cat calvin uh is a a great great friend and uh he's sleeping uh uh all curled up right next to me right now as I speak on the phone
4: ah <laughs> nice.
3: Well, we will end with the easiest question. What are you most proud of? Probably most proud of the fact that I've been able to, to make a living out of uh, bringing value to others and, and feeling as though the value I've brought to them has, has made a difference in their lives. Bonus question. What's your favorite quote that you live by? Hmm. I would say probably the all things being equal people will do business with and refer business to, those people they know, like, and trust. I also like uh, a quote that John and I have in Go Give or Sell More, which is that money is an echo of value. And uh, the one about the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. Uh, I dedicate that quote to my dad because it's just something I've always seen him, you know, always seen him live out. Awesome. The double bonus, how do people reach you? Uh, best way is just com, and uh, I'm, I'm very easy to reach, and they can connect with me online. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and so forth. Bob Berg, you've been amplified, and I have to
2: say, you're a beautiful soul, a person who's made a difference in a ripple effect that is probably incalculable, and I'm so grateful to what you did to help create my vision of Perfect Networker and help me lead a better life. And I know everyone on the call is equally impressed and also grateful. So looking forward to a great 2017. Happy New Year and God bless you.
3: Thank you. Likewise. Deeply honored to have been with you guys today. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashawn again next Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go get your message heard.